Welcome, friends, to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm writer Luke Elliott. And I'm filmmaker James Bailey. And we are off this week. Uh, I am actually out camping. And because of that, we are putting out this From the Vault episode. Uh, This was a fun one, definitely kind of a weird one. It is about Andy Weir's short story, The Egg, which has been adapted a couple times which we touch on in this episode. We touch on two different ones. One as like almost a student film or something. Yeah, it's a live action. It felt like a student film. I can't remember if it actually was or not. One um, way or another, it was a. It was sort of an indie budget. Yeah, and then there's this Kurzgesagt. I can never say the fucking name of that YouTube channel. Cool YouTube channel that I love. Difficult name to say. Um, but they put out an adaptation that's like their their particular style, which they do really well in all their videos. That video has millions of views. That's excellent. It, it works really well to sort of give something visual to like a really interesting mind-bending story. Yeah, I will link that in the show notes. Um, if you know nothing about The Egg by Andy Weir, I think that's a great one to listen to. Um, you can also read the short story, which is like a little different, but I remember being very similar. Um, and then, yeah, we just get into some really cool conversations here. I think it opens up a lot of philosophical questions. It's that like meaty sci-fi that we love to discuss. So I remember having a good time with this one. So we are right in the middle of Big Little Lies. We have read half the book. We've watched half the show. Next week's episode, next Thursday, we will be covering the second half of both the show yep. and the book. So look forward to that. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, maybe you're going to have a guest on. We, have it, we haven't recorded it yet, so I'm always hesitant to fully announce. But um, yeah, that's the plan. So yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to watch the rest of the show. I've been holding off. Um, and hopefully you enjoyed this previously uh, Patreon-exclusive episode. This week we are talking The Egg by Andy Weir, who is an author we have covered before. And uh, yeah, sort of this fascinating, mind-bending, perspective-changing story. And it's very short as well. Yeah, we're going to scramble some eggs here today. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, uh, this has been on our list for a little while. Um, And I don't know, it just felt like a a decent time to watch it. Actually, so I guess the, the truth is I accidentally watched... The video that I uh, that we covered, the first of the two. So we we watched the Kurzgesagt uh, video. Uh, it's like an animation, and that YouTube channel, by the way, fantastic. I've been a subscriber for a long time. Great science video, super informative, short to the point, great graphics. Um, love that stuff. And I clicked on one of their videos just out of the blue called The Egg. And I, it, within a minute of watching it, I realized what was it, that it was something that I had heard of before. And I was like, oh, this is that thing. And uh, it just hooked me in. And I was like, I was, I was interested enough to keep watching. It's got kind of a science-y big kind of uh, premise to it. And I, I'm going to recommend to our listeners, if you haven't read this story, which many of you probably have not, um, check out that video because it is ex- it is very uh, faithful. I, I did uh, pull up the transcript the second time I watched it and and like read the story as I listened. And the only changes that were made were basically to adapt to a video format where there were certain attributions that weren't needed. There was like a sentence omitted here or there. But for the most part, it was identical. I think that's the best way to experience it. Um, if you want to read the authentic one, uh, I'll link it in the show notes below. And it was um, on, I think, Andy Weir's website, uh, Galactonet, where he originally published it August 15th, 2009. And it's just free to read up there right now. Um, but check it out, because uh, I think you'll get more out of this conversation if, you, if you've if you experienced the story. It's very short. 
Um, I think the video is like six minutes long or something. Yeah, it's extremely worth your time. TikToks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very worth your time. It was it was so cool because, like you mentioned, this this channel that I can't pronounce. They have like a tagline as well, right? What is it? It's in the, a nutshell. That's what so so that's what it means in German. That's like it's like the German word for in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. The animation style is so cool though because it's this like ever morphing sort of round uh, yeah. animations that morph into each other, and so and it really fits the story. And I've seen a couple of their videos before. I think you've recommended them to me before. Yeah. Maybe I watched them when we were together or something, and. It's just so simple, but so because it's so simple, so powerful, especially for a story like this. Yeah. And the places that it goes, because at first you don't, you really don't expect it to go to these places. They don't normally do stuff like this. I, I should also point out. Normally, yeah. Normally, it's like science, like actual science explaining videos. Like we're going to talk about what you know a black hole is, or different like thought experiments, stuff like that. Whereas this was an author's story that they're adapting basically into a video. As far as I know, this is the only time they've done this. Um, so it's pretty unusual, but you have an author like Andy Weir, which we covered for The Martian, and he's well known for his hard sci-fi. Um, you know, he's got Artemis now, and I think another Project Hail Mary might be just coming out. And um, I've heard, you know, different things about different projects, but he's well known for creating these, like, really true-to-life, like, the science is real, and... Um, it may be sort of uh, taking a few next steps that we're not able to take yet, but it you can you can draw the path to how this could be possible. Now, this story is not really like that, and I think that's what surprised me most. I, I, I thought it was going to be a story in that vein, and instead this is a lot more like big concept, sort of fundamentally unprovable, not a lot of science to it as much as it is just phil- philosophy more than anything else, something that could be true. Um, and I, I guess I will go ahead and just give a short summary. Um, but again, I think the best way to know what this story is, is to just go experience it yourself. So I I highly recommend you could do that. Otherwise, um, essentially there is a guy who has died and he's speaking and it's interesting because the story is written in second person. So you have died and you are speaking to the narrator of the story who is in first person, I, and so it's from the point of view of I, and I is a god, or maybe the god, I guess. But there are multi- more than one, he says later. But um, essentially, God is speaking to you, and you have died. And uh, throughout the course of the story, uh, you're having a conversation with God, and then it's revealed that reincarnation is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go back into the world at some point in the past, I think in China. And um, through that, you're able to ask some questions and find out that you are every individual human who's ever lived. Like your soul, I guess, is is a piece of everyone. And the reason for that being that you are a fetus of a god, essentially, who is growing in an egg. And the egg is our universe. And you are experiencing all the lives possible through humanity in a, in a, a I guess, a goal to be to educate your soul and to learn and grow and nourish your soul to where your soul can then uh, mature into being a full god is the implication I got. Or a being of higher power, whether or not it's a god, I guess. Um, and that's the idea of the story. And it's a cool little reveal. And um, I think it has some interesting implications if you, you know, you want to dig into it. Um, 
but that that's that's my I guess basic summary. Um, what did you think watching this, James? Like, what were your thoughts initially? And and oh, I should also say we watched a short film adaptation, which we'll talk about next. Um, that is that deviates a little more. Um, but for now, let's focus. I think on this one, which is very close to the original story. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know what to expect. Um, it's called the egg. It's very simple. And then you, you go in and it's about someone who's died and they're talking to God. And I was like, okay, I kind of seen this kind of thing before maybe. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, sure. Yeah. The second person point of view, uh, really struck me. I was like, oh, okay. Cause I think notoriously second, it's kind of like you can get caught up and it doesn't really work for, for a lot of stories. Right. Isn't that tend to be the case? Like people. It's controversial. It can be viewed as kind yeah. of gimmicky. Um, I think it makes sense in this story, especially given the subject matter. Right. That, like if, if, you know. If you are everyone who's ever died, then why not yep. write it to you? Because it's inviting, it, and it's sort of a meta way. It's inviting you. It's like this story is about you. I think I read in the comments of one of these videos, somebody had a clever one, and they were like, "I'm so glad and happy for myself that I wrote <laughs> and then created this great animation." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It was very much a conversational piece, talking back and forth with God. And I was like, okay, like we kind of get where this is going in a sense. But then it starts to, to do the interesting thing where it it's saying, oh, you're going to go back in time. And I'm like, okay, so they're being reincarnated. They're going back in time. God is sort of the end of their life uh, telling them about this. And then when they realize they're going back in time, us, me, when I realized I was going back in time, <laughs> yeah. I uh, it started to throw me for a loop because then it starts to you thinking about this idea of like crossing paths with yourself and what that would be like. And then ultimately the end of the story is that, you know, everyone is you all at the same time pa- crossing paths with each other. And this idea of empathy came to me and it's just this, like, it's that perspective shifter where like I was having a busy day, you know, stuck in my own head trying to get through it. And then something like this comes along and, and you read it and you're like, Oh, okay, like, you know, shift in perspective, change in demeanor, kind of change. It kind of like was uplifting to me in a way. Mm-hmm. Something about it was like, we're all just the same. We all think we're the main character. So like this is like from the point of view of this person who was killed by this car accident, they're the main character and they keep thinking they're the main character, but everybody's the main character of their own story. And yeah, I, I just found it to be a really, really fun read. And I mean, be, with it being so brief too, it's it's always fascinating when these short stories like this are so concise and can like give you that really uh, impactful experience when you read something like that to where like this will stick with me, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's almost more of a flash piece, honestly. It's so, it's so brief. Um, it's powerful. And I, you know, I commend Andy Weir for coming up with something like this. Um, I, I read that this is his most famous short story, most popular short story. It's been translated into 30 languages and, um, it went viral. Basically that video we watched, um, has, I think like 25, 26 million views or something like it's very big. Um, and for a short story to be that big is is notable. And I think it is interesting to talk about why, right? And part of Andy Weir's appeal is he writes in a very approachable way. His prose is simple. Um, it's, you know, as much as he deals with heavy concepts and like out there science that may be beyond like average Joe, right? Um, his prose is not. His prose is very approachable. And I, I found that here as well. And in fact, um, I, I had the same problem. I think I had it for a moment in The Martian where there was almost too much attribution when I was reading the actual text. Because like, like, he didn't need to keep saying, like, the you know, you said, I said, like, it, you can 
when there's a back and forth, you can interpret that. Like think about Cormac McCarthy, how he did it, right? Like he almost never did attribution. So there's just little stylistic things. I think he kind of overdoes it. He uses a little bit of um, adverbs sometimes when I think they're unnecessary. So there's there's a little bit of that going on. But why I actually highly recommend the video is I think it, it cuts out some of that and it really focuses on the content of the story that is so good. And I think what really sets this piece apart. And yeah, I mean, just to get into that content, that reveal that you're talking about is meticulously set up and it's doled out in such a way that I think it's the most important moment of the story. I think that has to land for this adaptation to work. Um, it's almost a representation. Um, I guess it is technically an adaptation because they are adding visuals to it. But um, we're going to talk about the, the, the next adaptation is a more classic adaptation, which we're used to covering like a film with live action actors and all this stuff. And we'll talk about that one next because that one deviated a little more. Um, but here, you know, staying super true to the source, I think paid dividends. I think it, it, it works well. And then, yeah, I was left at the end thinking, what if, right? I think, I think that's the, the way I, I was struck by this is, is it let me go. What if this were true? Because I, I'm, I'm an agnostic and I, basically believe that it's unknowable the 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 sort of meaning of life the definition of the universe the the truth behind what happens after death if anything all of that stuff is sort of by definition unknowable and so i don't pretend to know the answer to that and so that's why agnostic belief to me is like an acceptance of a lack of control Whereas I, I'm not comfortable saying I'm an atheist because to me that asserts a level of control that I don't feel like I don't feel like I know for certain anything anyway. So because of that, I'm kind of open to this, right? Like I'm like, could be this. There's no way of knowing, right? That this, that it would be like this. Um, probably not, but <laughs> could be. And I like, I like sort of the, uh, like you were talking about, like the, what is the, what is the messaging behind this piece? Why do this? Why write this? Um, because I did look it up, and he has said that he doesn't, like, believe this to be true. It's just a story. Um, but he wanted people to shift their perspectives, at least for a little bit, and think about other human beings, I guess, in an empathetic way. Because it does force you to do that in the sense of, if everyone out there is you, whenever you're cruel to someone, or whenever you help someone, that's all an action that you're taking to yourself. Um and there is something profound about that, I think. And I do think it, it kind of encourages empathy there. Um, it's it's interesting because it's very it's still very solipsistic. It's still very self-centered. Like you, the belief that you are the only individual, the only like sentient mind in all of humanity, and that everyone else is just like a fragment of one soul. Um, in a literal sense is kind of sad to me. Like it's kind of depressing, but in a, in a um, sort of thematic or figurative sense, I actually really like it, right? We are all part of one species and in a sense, all do share a soul. If, if you can, you know, loosely define what that means. Well, and the idea of an egg, um, 
the story is called the egg and the idea being it's you know one body with all these little organ not organisms but all these little moving parts you know cells that if we're all just a if we think of all of this as just one organism all of the world is one organism when we hurt someone else we are hurting ourselves basically because it really is if, if you want to think of it in that whole you know one self all encompassing we are the world kind of thing uh but but overall, you know, I like that. I like that kind of shift in perspective every once in a while. And whether I believe it or not, which is I definitely don't, uh, it served the purpose. You know, it, it did what it was meant to do. And, and I, I really would ask people to go check it out because I do think it's powerful. Yeah. So I do want to read a couple of the, the statements I was able to find that he had about this. He said, um, I originally came up with it because I was having an argument with my aunt. I thought her point of view was ridiculous. Then later, I figured if I had lived her life, her opinion would make perfect sense to me. That got me thinking about a system where people live each other's lives. So we talk about uh, story seeds a lot on our podcast, and that's that's basically the seed for this, right? Like you had an argument, and then you realized, you know, that's her perspective. And then if I had lived her life, I'd have that same perspective. And so that got him thinking and came up with this story, which man, is quite, quite impressive. Um, when asked about what his hope is for the reader who checks this thing out. He said, I wanted the reader to change their mindset, if only for a short time, and start imagining themselves really being the people they meet. And then ultimately, he said, I wanted to come up with some way to look at the world such that life was fair, a way that everyone came out even in the end. This is what I came up with. So yeah, I think that's pretty uh, pretty humble. He just, you know, this is kind of just an idea I had. Um, I did see people kind of losing their shit online about it. I was seeing places as like life changing story by Andy Weir. This will blow your mind. You'll never be the same after reading this story. And I'm like, man, people are maybe getting a little too into this. Um, it, 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 it's a thought experiment. It's fun. I mean, it could be true. Sure. But it very easily could not be true. So <laughs> I don't know. It's not any more likely than anything else. I, I just assume people were that passionate about it because they like the story. And I think some of the times when you like something, you want to oversell it to everybody else. Yeah. So they just maybe. really wanted people to check it out. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Hopefully that's all it is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a cool story. And um, I, I think the, the video we watched is a good one. I think that's the best one, honestly. But we also watched a little short film adaptation, I, I would call it, right? It's, a, you know, 10, 10 minutes long or so. I had a couple of couple of actors and that was it. A little bit of graphics. Um, I saw the cast list at the end or the um, credits list at the end it was a decent number of people worked on this thing. Um, but I don't know much about it. Otherwise, I didn't look into the history of the production or anything. I don't know if you were able to find anything on that. A little bit. I mean, it's just mostly in the description of the YouTube video. here, yeah, which we will link that also in the show notes. So if you want to watch this thing, since we're about to talk about it, I would recommend it. And then you can get a feel for what we're talking about. So supposedly this is an undergraduate short film from University of York. Wow. Someone made this as an undergrad. Well, you know, for, for having, it has almost 500,000 views on, on YouTube. That's pretty good for an undergraduate short film. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Especially like we, we recently talked about like student films and what, what represents a student film. And we talked about the sort of bar that you have to jump over and make sure that all of your shots, all of your sound, all of your mixing, everything is on the, over that bar in order to be like considered professional. And there were moments in this where you could tell it was a student film, but there's something there's something that I think people like about the rawness of a student film as well. And like watching this, it, it didn't hold me back. There are a few moments where like 
levels, audio levels were a little weird. Yeah, um, I noticed that. Like, I, I almost thought they were trying to be kind of diegetic with it, where, like, the guy would walk away and his, his like, his sound would get real low. But the effect was more just like I couldn't hear what he was saying. It's jarring, right? So if, you're, if your audio has got to be clean, no matter what, or else, you know, that throws, that's the first thing that'll throw somebody on, on a film is if the audio is off, like, it's game over. Like, try to try to watch something when the, the speech is slightly off from the lips or something, you know, like, it, it uh, but anyway, very small nitpicky type things. It's very, for a student film, like, it's great. And it's very imaginative. And I love the idea of taking short, you know, it's inspiring to think like, let me go find somebody's well-known short story. And I don't know how you get, you know, credit for, I don't know how you get permission to make this. That's the thing. I don't know if he, they got, they if they sought permission or, or what? Because he just put it out on his website for free, but still you're adapting something. You should be asking for permission, I would think, because you're still, he could still come after you and have you say, hey, you didn't buy the rights to this. Take it down. I um, think he could, unless he gave permission. Unless and, he gave uh, permission, yeah. But, but at the same time, I, what, what I mean is that like, you think of this story from what the perspective of what we saw first, which was the animated version. You're like, damn, to like shoot this in live action is gonna it's gonna be nearly impossible. Yeah. What? So what? Ye- what year did this short film come out? It was like 2012 or 2011, I believe, because it was a runner up at Yorkshire Royal Television Society Student Awards for short fiction in 2012. So somewhere around there. Yeah, and then um, the other one we watched came out two years ago. So th- that this one predates, right? So they didn't have they didn't have the Kurz Gazette video to watch um, for inspiration. So um, I think that's also important to note. Yeah, but but what I was gonna say is just grounding a story like this. Like it's very fantastical in its idea, and the idea of like void. You you just the idea of you talking to a god. And it like you kind of think of a void right away. But shooting it and and having the the caveat in, within the story, like sort of lampshading, saying like you know. Whatever, whatever you're going through, you can't comprehend. So your brain, your mind puts it in the perspective of something you can uh, comprehend. And that sort of holds true from the original story as well. There's a line about something like that. Uh, that that's why the, the god being takes like a certain form. Human form, humanoid form or something. Yeah. You know, grounding it, putting it, these beautiful landscapes, like, you know, somewhere in the UK, I would assume. Yeah, it seemed um, like it was uh, digitally manipulated. Uh, after the fact to me because the sky color wise yeah the color and the sky the sky looked like it had been it had been had been chopped i actually thought and you know maybe i'm completely you know reading into this more than it was i thought they were specifically referencing a painting that i'm actually a big fan of called monk by the sea by casper david friedrich friedrich um which if you don't know who that is uh, i highly recommend looking him up um he did a lot of these really dark, moody landscape paintings. And, like, I'm always a sucker for pan- landscape paintings, but something about his in particular really, really strike me. Um, and he had one of his most famous ones is this one called Monk by the Sea. It's this little figure in black standing by a really dark ocean. And then the sky above dominates the, the rest of the painting. And it looks a lot like the opening shot in this short film. Um, and I think the, the, saw, it's, the shot, I think the painting itself is said to be about that like and a lot of his paintings are about this like kind of existential despair um and i think if you're gonna you know lean into that uh for this piece i think it makes sense um also that painting made an appearance in the eternals if anybody saw that it's in the it's in the like vault i noticed uh at one point uh later in the in the in the movie but anyway you know shout out to them if that was intentional like well done bravo yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, you were talking about you're a sucker for landscape 
like uh, paintings, and I, I definitely enjoy that kind of stuff as well. Um, but these massive, wide, establishing shots, uh, I'm a huge sucker for that in film. And, uh, you know, it adds so much to to a film to give the viewer context of where you are. And then also, like you said, to show someone very small on the screen shows how small they are within the existence of the story right. or where they're at mentally. So, yeah, I think they were going for that. Right. Like in, in the scope of the universe, you're you're very small. Yeah. Uh, so they, they did do, do some um, notable changes, and I have some critiques of the script. Um, some places where I thought it was some smart changes, some places where I was a little frustrated. Um, but again, we're talking about a student film here, so uh, ultimately I'm still quite impressed. And, and I think whoever this filmmaker is, I hope that they went on to to have a, you know, a career because it seems like they have talent. Um, yeah, and the director, by the way, is Sam Meacock, writer, director, producer. Oh, wow. Okay, so, yeah, did, also did the writing. Well, Sam Meacock, I am impressed. However, I am going to critique a little bit of the of the script because um, as much as I liked, so, there was a little bit of humor introduced. They aged down the protagonist, um, who is not, he's not 48. I think the, the story itself has this kind of somber note where it's this uh later in life guy who's died and he's thinking about his wife and he's thinking about his kids and there's this reveal that his wife like is actually kind of relieved that he died because she wasn't in love with him anymore and there's kind of a bittersweet feeling surrounding that and a lot of that gets replaced with this young guy who is just more concerned that they're gonna like look at his internet history just for a chuckle um, now that he's dead and he's talking about like his parents and stuff because I guess he's so young. It was kind of unclear to me if he actually had like a family like of his own versus like he's a part of a family. But I, I don't know. It, it didn't work as well for me. It didn't have that same effect. And in fact, I think the overall mood of the piece was slightly shifted to be less um, sort of somber and uh, a little a little lighter. Um, and it's okay, but uh, I think I just prefer the slightly more somber tone for this material. I agree with you, yeah, because it, it you know, I think the the point of the story is kind of to show the insignificance of us in the, the grand scheme of things or the significance of us in the grand scheme of things. Like, is like, that's the idea that's being brought about. And it, it grounding it, making it very, I think it's more approachable, maybe, as, as in this, this uh, version, younger? because it's younger. It's, it, I, I think, like... Um, Maybe for the average internet viewer. Exactly. And for the time, too. I'm thinking like 2011, 2012 yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing. The, the the tone of film at the time. Uh, you know, films that have a younger protagonist, maybe even specifically at the time. Well, and he was younger, right? Like the, the filmmaker. So maybe this is right. probably the age he is. So he's probably right. And it spoke to that was like a perspective that was easier to, to show. Uh, I do want to sh- give it up to the guy who played God. Because I thought he did a really good job for, you know, like, again, these are just actors that a student is has access to. And overall, like, really good performance from that guy, like, like selling it. I I bought it overall, and, and I just wanted to give a shout out to him. I thought he was great. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, uh, I, I will give him props because there was a line that was a that was changed where. There he he's as he, he's sort of asking about the oh so that means I was Hitler he says yeah you were Hitler and also everyone he killed and like that's a line directed out of the story and it's a good one um, but then he says uh, and I was Jesus and he's like yeah you were Jesus everybody always goes to Jesus and he's like um, Jesus didn't die for our sins it was mostly just being nailed to a cross and then stabbed with a spear and I thought that line was pretty funny and like that that was not in the story and so like there was a couple of little like um, I think intentional moments of of levity to try and bring in right. 
Um, I mean, clearly a filmmaker making a short film in, in school wants to put their mark on, on the material. And, and I think that he did that to varying degrees of success. Yes. Um, I, I do think that means the relationship between God and the protagonist felt more teasing to me than in the story. In the story, it felt more parental and it felt more loving. Whereas mm-hmm. here, it felt more like, I don't know, it, it's like a, a not, not necessarily in a mean way, but kind of teasing. You know what it struck me as is like a Willy Wonka kind of thing. Yeah. Like he, he had like, obviously like how he was dressed, but then on top of that, like this sort of, you know, elder statesman removed, like weird sense of humor uh, above it all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a different take. It's not necessarily good or bad. I, I guess I was fine with that. But the one thing that I, I will critique the most, and I think that was the thing that makes this not, why doesn't this have 24 million views, right? And I, th- and I think it's the biggest miss, is the reveal that the soul of the protagonist is shared by all of humanity is dropped on us in this movie as a single moment. Basically, he says, you're going to be reincarnated. You're going to be reincarnated as a Chinese woman in the fifth century. And he's like, oh, really? You know, I'm going back in time. And then I forget. I didn't write down the exact exchange, but it's a very fast like, why is that? And then he's like, because you're everyone. And he's like, what does that mean? Your soul is a piece of everyone or whatever. You're everyone. And it's basically dropped like a you know ton of bricks on onto the viewer all at once. And that's such a big concept and a big moment it has to be built to and that's the thing that i think andy weir did really well and the adaptation the other adaptation does really well it gives it to us in little pieces it first says reincarnation is real then it says you're going to be reincarnated into this particular woman and then he says well wait that means i'm going back in time and he says oh well time doesn't mean the same thing to me as it means to you uh and then he says has this happened before? He says, yes, you know, it happens all the time. And then he says, well, does that mean I could have run into myself? And they have this, that that exchange is very important because just the idea of running into yourself and a reincarnation is already a big idea. And you have to sort of buy that. And so you have a moment to like, let that set in. Like, yes, that has happened before and it actually does happen sometimes. And then you can start to go like, well, what about everyone else? And then you can start building, building, building to the reveal of you are everyone. And, and I think it's important to let that moment breathe because otherwise it loses some of its strength. And when I watched this version of it, I felt it was lacking and that the biggest moment, the biggest reveal of the story I felt was lacking. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I thought you were going to mention the like lack of like changing it from second person point of view. Well, it clearly is not even close to that anymore. It's yeah. How do you do that in a movie, though? I don't know. I just mean, you, full like, camera you're, POV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say you're 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 you know first person POV like like a first person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so. I it mean, would look funny. Yeah, it would be funny. No, no, that, no. And it's like I, I like most of the other stuff. I did think the finger touch thing at the end. You know, maybe he's going art again, right? Like he's 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 got his Friedrich in here, which I thought was a nice sort of like lesser known. But then he's going like really famous God touching fingers with you know. Uh, what is it, Adam? I don't even know what the painting is. Sistine Chapel, Sistine right? Sistine Chapel. Isn't that where yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. Anyway, it's a very famous painting, right? And he very clearly is is evoking that. We get some, like, okay, I guess, for a student film graphics as the person sort of evaporates into air yeah. 
it looks I think if you're okay, going to go grounded with a story and make it more grounded overall, just lean away from the effects to just have it be like walk through a threshold, you know, walk through a doorway. But, yeah, you know. I kind of agree. It was it was like, but, you know, maybe he was doing it for class and he needed to have an effect shot. Like that was a requirement. <laughs> you never know. Um, but I one thing I also didn't really love was the change of the f- of the final lines of the story. So um, the final lines of the story in the film are God, after he sent him away, going, be nice and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a little bit, um, uh, you know, I, it just, it made it a little bit silly. Uh, it, it, it just, it robbed a little bit of that profound, like, the final lines are so important. And I only, the, to me, this is a sign of someone who wasn't really thinking about, like, this is the last lines of this movie. Well, yeah. And we don't need to tear down like a student film either. Like we should, I, I think it's because in, in comparison to like a great work and like a amazing adaptation that was animated and everything, this person did a really, really, really solid job for a student. Right. And, um, if he, and if he had another shot at it I, and, you know, had had more money and probably everything he's learned now, I'm sure he'd do things differently. And, and yeah, but um, just just of note. So the, the, the actual story ends. So the whole universe, you said it's just and then an egg. I answered. Now it's time for you to move on to your next life. And I sent you on your way. And so it's the, the sending on the way is the, the end. Now it's not necessarily like the most profound final line I've ever read, but it's more than be nice and have fun. Right? Yeah. It's just a little yeah. different. Um, I think it fits the size of the adaptation here though. Like the, the um, scaled down, version of like sort of what was done with the story it fits along with that but yeah if we're doing comparisons i think it's clear yeah um, and again i you're right I, i'm not trying to shit on this guy's student film it's it's honestly it's good for a student film like it's one of the best i've seen probably you know what i mean like it's and i haven't seen that many but like it's you know they're not known for being amazing usually um and this is a good one and uh, you know i hope he passed this passed his course um yeah i'm sure he did pretty well <laughs> Um, I did want to note, I read that the rapper Logic, who I think you're a fan of, right? Yeah, I love Logic. Yeah, apparently he used the egg as an inspiration uh, for his album Everybody, released in 2017, and he reimagined it in the interlude track Waiting Room, featuring Neil deGrasse Tyson as God. Apparently it's based on this story. Wow, I did not know that. I'm like, I, I remember seeing that track. I'm, pro- I'm sure I've listened to it before, but it's not like a favorite of mine or anything. Well, it's like an interlude, yeah. it sounds like. Right. Interlude track called Waiting Room. So you have cool. to be like pretty, pretty in the, in the, uh, you know, in the weeds with him, I guess. Or, yeah. Really listening to the entire album front to finish, which I definitely didn't do, but that's cool. Uh, I, maybe I should go check that out now. Yeah, I should. That sounds fun. Um, I, I just want to give props back to Andy Weir for this because I wouldn't have thought my concern if I had come up with this idea would have been that this is too solipsistic, that this is so kind of self-centered that it wouldn't feel it wouldn't convey that sense of empathy that I wanted to f- convey, but he managed to do it because, and I wouldn't have thought it possible, but like to have a story where you're essentially saying you are the only one that matters. You are everyone. Everyone else is a piece of you. That's solipsism basically in a nutshell, right? Like the idea that you're the only one who exists and everybody else is like a figment of your imagination, essentially. Um, yet you're taking that and you're twisting it in a way that actually makes it empathetic for your fellow humans. Which almost is like antithetical to me to that concept, and I think it's cool that he was able to do that. And um, man, it's just like it just goes to show that like a great idea 
pay, it, it, it can it can really pay off if you can pull if you can pull off the story yeah and the the foresight or the wherewithal to know like this isn't this doesn't need to be extrapolated out to become some massive novel to try to like form a narrative around it like just have it as a short story is sometimes like yeah. a cool way it's interesting you know. to me he didn't publish it either he put it out on his website i think this is 2009 you know he he also published the martian for free on his website and um, eventually ended up selling the selling the rights to a, to a book deal after it went super viral. So he came up sort of on the internet just making a name for himself on his own website. And um, you know that's a that's such an interesting business model that is almost impossible to follow for most people. So you know good good luck trying it. You know. And also, like, he was at a very particular time in the internet. You know what I mean? Like, that time is different now. And and even if he were to do the exact same thing, it would have to look different now because it wouldn't, it wouldn't sort of take off in the same way. It is, it is wild to me, though, because people tend... There's always somebody who's the first or the, the person who takes off from something like this, and then it's hard to replicate. And, we, you know, there's going to be another one in the future again, and it's just about, like, finding it or most of the time people aren't trying to be the first or trying to be the one that they are trying to obviously get their work out there. But, um, you know, the path isn't, I I feel like Fonda maybe even said something like that when we were on the podcast, when she was on the podcast, like this idea of like, you can't, uh, she said something about like when you're working your way through a mountain or something like that, in terms of like getting published, you like sort of like you blow it up behind you. I think I make your way through. (laughs) You said that. I think I did. Maybe I think you said it when when Fonda was on. Maybe, but I was quoting someone. I was quoting someone else. I think. I, yeah, I was because I I heard that I think for the first time from Chuck Windig. I think would talk about that. Like you're you're sort of digging your way through a tunnel, but you're blowing up the path behind you. So like no one can follow you, but you can tell people like how you how you dug. But yeah, Good advice, you yeah. know. But they're not going to be able to follow you. Your path is is gone. And, and that's yeah. this right here, right? Like yeah. It's, Some people probably, yeah. you know, got published from self-published work like this, just posting it on their website at the same time. But that's the I thing mean, of the think past about, now. Think about what we're talking about, like how unlikely this is. You have a writer who has serviceable, approachable, everyman kind of prose and big science concepts. Okay, you take those two things and put them together. You don't think mega bestseller, right? You don't think ultra viral guy. There, obviously, there's some sort of special sauce he's got in there that's really making it work. You know that, that he's got that perfect blend of the two. Um, but there's so many people who I feel like look at that and go, "That could be me." Like I know tons about science, and I I'm okay at you know I have a decent prose, so let's do this thing. And it's just not going to work for everybody. Um, there there's there's something special going on here, um, and you know all the manner of luck, I'm sure too. Um, that's just the nature of things. That's that's how it goes. And I think don't try and be anywhere. Try and do your own thing, and you know, try your own try your own path. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a bonus episode. We have hit the end of our time here. Um, this was a fun one to talk about. Get a little heady. Um, again, I uh, I don't know if this is uh, true. In fact, it probably isn't. But it's fun to think about. Could be. Maybe we were all one God being born. Um, right, you know, and going to live with other gods in some indescribable sort of yeah. like weird. Doesn't want to spoil it. I think is what he says in the in the in the movie movie version. Um, I think uh, I think this calls for a final a final sign off here. That's a little different. You want to set me up? Sure. And until next time, be nice and have fun. <laughs> <laughs>